I could see down there my teammates warming up on the field, and I could feel my legs kind of twitching in anticipation as I looked forward to running out on that field myself. First I'd have to put on my pads though, and maybe I'd have to leave the bleachers and actually go down there. Wait, this is, this is Lambeau Field, home of the Green Bay Packers, and I'm a Packer. And then I woke up, and the funny thing is, that's when the confusion started. I had no clue where I was. Maybe it was the elevation. I was sleeping on a second floor instead of the basement apartment I'm used to. Maybe it was the time difference, being an hour over in central time. Maybe it was the home-cooked mom food I had been eating. Whatever it was, I was really disoriented, and it took me a couple seconds to realize that I was at my parents' house. For me, being traveling and waking up and not being sure where you are for that first second, is, that's a really exciting thing. You kind of get to go on a little adventure with yourself and your mind. I know for a lot of other people it's a huge drag. It's kind of funny how sleep can do that to us, though. There wasn't a point where I didn't know I was at mom and dad's house. I knew I was there the whole time. But just for that second, sleep robbed me of that knowledge. Our faith can fall asleep too, and then, and then we can lose important things that we already know, we can lose sight of and forget them. So what better time of year than Advent when we're focusing on getting ready for us to wake ourselves up and, and make sure we're aware of everything that we already know. So in today's Gospel lesson, we have a couple of reminders for us. So at, at this point, God has been revealing this Savior. From the first time people fell into sin, He said there's going to be a Savior. And throughout human history, He's been talking about this Savior, revealing more and more. And now the time is finally coming. The Bible says, when the time had fully come, God sent a Savior. So the time is just right. The place is just right. The way the politics and the world is at this time, it's perfect for something to happen in Israel and spread out everywhere. And he's even got the right family, just the right family for this Savior to be born into. So finally God sends a messenger to the actual mother of the Savior. He sends Gabriel to her. And this is how he greets her. Gabriel says, Greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now even though we like to imagine Mary as this perfect, beautiful young woman, which maybe she was and, and maybe she wasn't, that's not why God chose her. That's not why she's highly favored. In fact, if you look at that Greek word that we translate as favored, it, it has more the idea of someone who receives a benefit than someone who gets something they worked hard for, someone who earns a reward. Mary is not highly favored because of who she is. God chose her. And we know she's not highly favored because she's holy either. Sometimes we are still tempted to think maybe she was just really good. And again, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but that's not why God picked her. This is God in His divine wisdom choosing the person He wants for this special part of His plan. So Mary got chosen for something 
really cool, really special, really amazing. She got to be the actual mother of the Savior. That's something that's so good, so amazing. You maybe don't even hope for that to happen to you, but it happened to Mary. But that's not the most important way she's highly favored. There's something even better. As, as Gabriel goes on about this unique way that God chose her to be used in his plan, he talks about how her son is going to be her son. He tells her exactly who this son is going to be. She's going to carry him and give birth to him the normal way. But he's also going to be the son of God. He'll be called the son of the Most High. His kingdom will have no end. He'll sit on the throne of David, his father. He's clearly also going to be true God. This is the most important way that Mary is highly favored. God chose her and loved her so much that He sent His Son to save Mary. He valued Mary so much that He didn't withhold His own Son's life for her life. That's the most important thing that ever happened to Mary. So what about us? What about average Joe Schmo and Jane Schmo Christians sitting in Cross of Life this morning? God, what's your really cool plan that you've chosen for me? Am I special? What do you want me to do? Christians, do you know? You're already highly favored. But we like to forget this all the time, don't we? Sometimes we think, you know what? I should be highly favored because I'm so good. I've, look, I've never done this and I've always done this. I deserve something. I deserve something special. Or maybe we think that we're a work in progress and we can earn that something special. Either way, these, these thoughts are just going to lead us further away from where we actually get our blessings from God. That's where we find our favor. And if not, if they don't lead us away, they could, they could lead us into the depths of depression. They could make us feel, you know, God, I do all these good things, so good things should happen to me, but bad things are happening to me, so I, should, I must be a terrible person. Or they, they make us constantly struggle to do better things so that better things happen to us. And, and then when our plans fall apart, and, or we don't get what we want, or we don't feel as important as we think we should be, we're frustrated, angry. We know better than that. We're highly favored. Because, because of what God has done for us, we have that gift. Faith. God chose us, not the other way around. So just like Mary, you and I have been chosen for something amazing. And that something amazing is our salvation. So imagine you're sitting in your living room and all of a sudden a light starts rising, glowing in the room and as this light gets brighter and brighter, suddenly an angel appears to you and he says, Greetings, highly favored person. Lucky one. Well, we know it's not luck. This is God's, God's choice. God chooses us, but an angel thinks you're highly favored. And then his message goes on. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. God loves you. You don't have to worry about a thing because it's all done for you. 
What's your reaction going to be to that? Maybe you get all puffed up with pride because God chose me and this is great, I must really be something. Or maybe that pride comes from, you know what, I know the truth. So the first thing you do is you run next door, knock on your atheist neighbor's door and say, Ha! I told you so! I knew it! Or maybe you doubt. You know, did the angel get the right address? Does he, does he know what I've done, what I've thought, what I've said? He doesn't mean me, does he? Maybe you just flat out don't believe it. Secretly, somewhere deep down inside yourself, you cling to that feeling that there's something left in me that I need to make up for. There's something that I need to do to earn God's favor still. Look at Mary's reaction. Remember, God just told her that she was about to have to do something pretty incredible. Her life's going to be changed very dramatically through pregnancy and and birth of her firstborn child, she just says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That reply is pretty incredible. She says, look, I'm God's servant. What he wants to happen, I want that thing to happen. She doesn't doubt like Zechariah the priest A few months before when God said, your wife is going to give birth to a son in her old age, Zechariah doubted. Mary doesn't doubt. She doesn't try to get out of it like Moses did when God came to to him in the burning bush and said, go lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses said, not me, I can't do that. Mary's answer is just, yes, what you want, I want. Now, if you've been following along where I've, I've been working through the text in your bulletin, and you're like, he skipped a part. You got me. You got me. She does say, before this bit about her being his servant, God's servant, she does ask, how will this be since I'm a virgin? But that's not doubt. Her, she already made up her mind. She already has decided that what God wants is what she wants. She's already decided that she is his servant, This isn't a question of how will this be, as in, how can such a thing happen? I don't really think this is possible, God. What she sees here is, God, you want me to have a baby. But I'm not married, and I know you don't want me to have a baby without a husband. How do you want me to accomplish your plan, Lord? So then, Gabriel explains to her a little bit about, it's it's just going to happen, Mary and trust God because nothing is impossible for him. And again, her answer just boils down to, yes, what you want, I want that. I am the Lord's servant. We're God's servants too. And when we think about the position of a servant, it's not the position that we usually want, is it? We all want to be our own bosses, make our own rules, do our own thing. Being a servant is not glamorous. It's not a position of honor. Nothing like that. But being God's servant is nothing like that. It's not not a shameful position. It's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, we can take great pride in our master. Our master is the God of the universe, the God who made everything, the God who controls everything. He's a pretty awesome God. 
it is nothing to be ashamed of to be his servant. And better yet, human masters often will have their servants do the dirty work, right? The things that they don't want to do themselves. That's what a servant is for. But not with our God. He did the dirty work for us. The dirty work of salvation. Jesus died up on that cross for us so that we didn't have to pay that price. That's the dirty work. That's the hard part. It's done for you, friends. And it gets better from there. Because even though the hard part is done, God treats His servants, us, like His own dear children. He loves us dearly. And He promises that everything that happens in this life, He'll work out to our good. That's a pretty awesome master. So how do we respond to that? Maybe, when I talked about that angel in your living room, you already started to feel that response. And I thank God for that because that's, that's faith in your heart. That's, that's such a blessing. But when, when you're faced with this God who's done all these things for you, there's nothing else to do but say, I'm your servant. What you want is what I want. So my question to you is, is Mary's response that strange? I think not. I think that's the same response that as believers we all would have. Because we know what God has done for us. And we're happy to be His servants because of that. So we just got to listen to Mary, Did You Know? It's a, it's a popular Christmas tune. It's it's. Beautiful melody, awesome words that look forward to the life of the Savior that Mary is carrying. Wonderful song. I think, though, that if you went back in time to Mary, right after Gabriel left, and sang this song right at her, with all its questions, most of her answers would be yeses. Sure, she might not know that he's going to walk on water, or all the specifics of calming storms and all that, but she would have caught on to the prophecies that he's going to match. And she definitely would know that he's the Son of God, her Savior, who's coming to take away her sins and the sins of the whole world. Mary knew. Christians, do you know? You're highly favored. God has chosen you to be saved because he loves you. And your reaction to that is, you're his servants. You want what he wants and you go out happily doing what he asks of you. Thanks to God, we do know these things. Amen.